Pharmaceuticals. God's day to you. This is Sister Sumana T.K. Sira inviting you to listen to a Word for God's People broadcast. Words of encouragement for your living on today, every other Wednesday at 1215 on Rejoice 101.3. We are Rejoice. W-R-E-J, Richmond. W-267-CD, Richmond. Thank you for listening. Here's your active weather forecast on Rejoice 101.3. It'll be a mix of clouds and sun today, high 61. Cloudy skies tonight, low 50. And tomorrow, windy with a shower in the morning and occasional sun in the afternoon. Monday's high 55. Breezy, plenty of sunshine Tuesday. That day's high 46. Wednesday, sunny, high 52. And Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, partly sunny, high 61. For AccuWeather on Rejoice 101.3, I'm Sally Sherman. If anyone asks, you're listening to Rejoice, WREJ, Richmond, 101.3 FM, 990 AM. Hi, this is Tammy Mobley. I am a survivor of domestic violence. My personal mission is to educate and inform people about the red flags in an unhealthy relationship and the effects of domestic violence. This show, we will also talk about life challenges, incarceration, health scares, factors of racism, and much more. Let's start surviving today. Welcome to Beyond Surviving with Tammy, where we recognize, empower, and support survivors. I am your host, Tammy Moby, domestic violence survivor and advocate and certified relationship and empowerment coach. Today's show, I have with me Terrence Doctor. Terrence experienced the loss of his daughter, Elle, a couple of months ago. Um, and we're going to sit down and have a candid conversation with him and why um, a lot of attention is not brought on fathers when they experience loss. So we're going to have a conversation with him. Stay tuned right after this commercial break. Don't go anywhere. Hi, I'm Mama Shells of Mama Shells Cafe, home of the Soul Rolls, located at 10811 Hall Street Road. Give us a call at 804-912-1644 or order online at mamashells.com. Ask us about our off-site catering options. We also offer online ordering through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Follow us on social media at Mama Shells Cafe. That's Mama Shells. We're Seoul, south of the James. Welcome back to Beyond Survivor with Tammy, where we recognize, empower, and support survivors. Once again, I am your host, Tammy Mobley, domestic violence survivor and advocate. So in studio with me this morning is Terrence Doctor. And I know today may be a little bit emotional um, for us because I was just saying that it might be emotional for me and my husband and I was talking um, earlier but I wanted you to just come and share your story as much as you can and mm -hmm. much as you feel comfortable sharing about beautiful Elle um, first of all thank you for the opportunity for uh, allowing me to come and talk about her um, and providing a safe space mm -hmm. um, so my daughter Elle was born on March 31st 2020 um, and she passed away three days later, was April 3rd of this year. Uh, my queen and I, so shout out to my, my queen, Joni. Um, she had to have an emergency C-section at 35 weeks. Uh, a routine uh, doctor's appointment uh, that kind of turned. Um, they wanted to keep her overnight to run some additional tests. We had been there before with our previous daughter, Peyton. So, um, you know, when you kind of go through something, and you made it through. The second time it presents itself, it's kind of like, well, we've been through it before, so we can make it again. Um, 
So the doctor, she had to run a, um, they had to run a test on her and they were just noticing certain movements didn't look good. Uh, with our previous daughter, Peyton, uh, my queen's blood pressure was extremely high. She had a uh, preeclampsia, I think it's what it's called. Mm-hmm. So her blood pressure was extremely high. But this time around with L, her blood pressure was fine, but they were just, the, the movements of L weren't looking too good. So they said that after they ran a test, they said, we're going to run some more tests. And if things aren't looking good, we're just going to have to do an emergency C-section. So um, they wind up doing the emergency C-section. And when I walked into the uh, the, the uh, delivery room where we was doing a C-section, you know, I was seated, I was seated right next to, to Joni. And, you know, with a C-section, they have it blocked off, so you can't really see what's going on on the other side. So I noticed that Joni was feeling a lot of pressure. She was feeling a lot of pressure, and she was kind of making some noises. And I was trying to, you know, talk her through it, because that's my job. You know, mm-hmm. just, you know, you can do it. Come on, you're doing great. Mm-hmm. Has been exactly right so i noticed that the doctor said yeah we're almost done we're sewing you back up now so i was like wait sewing her back up so i'm like so that means l's out but she didn't cry like there was no noise at all like mm-hmm. no noise at all so um at this point of course still staying in the role of encouraging and just trying to keep her focused i could look i could look at her face and see that she was concerned too but I'm just trying to be that strong. It's all right. Like, you're fine. Everything's fine. You don't have anything to worry about. So then one of the nurses came over and they said, you know, Elle is out. She's here. She's, you know, she's up on the table if you want to come over and look at her. So when I went over the, to the table, she was breathing. Her eyes was closed. And she had, uh, she had all of her fingers. She had all of her toes. But her hand, they were like, they were kind of tight. Like her her hands were like kind of tight and they were kind of turned in and her feet, the same thing with her, her feet, they were kind of turned in. And they said, uh, they asked me if I wanted to hold her. And I said, no, I said, I didn't want to hold her because for me personally, I just feel like, you know, the mother should just get the first, you know, the mother should get the first hold, the first everything, seeing that, you know, she carried, you know, um, and that's something that I started even with my first son, you know, my son, his mom, when, she, when he was born, you know, I didn't want to hold him first. I just felt like, you know, the honor should be given to the mother first. Mm-hmm. That's just, so that was the main reason why I didn't want to hold her. So when I said no, I said, no, I'm good. I don't want to hold her. Just wanted to kind of get her rest. She opened her eyes up. So the nurse said, well, she said, oh, she must know who her daddy is because we were trying to wake her up the whole time. And she never opened up her eyes. But as soon as you come over here and spoke, she opened up her eyes. So she was staring directly at me. Took a couple pictures, um, and it was had the uh, the breathing thing on her. Forgot what it's called. So they were kind of somewhat breathing for her. So then, after that, they took her out to the NICU. So then later in the day, we were able to kind of see her, and then they were kind of telling us that they were hooking up to her. They were hooking her up to a lot of machines, um, and then they confirmed that she was having. Oh, let me go back. When I seen her on the table, like she was kind of jerking a little bit, like she was kind of jerking a little bit. So fast forward back to the night, they told us that they were running tests on her and they had found out that she was having seizures. So they were trying to, if anything, give her medication that was going to like slow down the seizures. Like that was the main thing that they wanted to do. But that was the one thing out of many things that was wrong with her. 
Um, she had, I think, scoliosis, and she had a couple things that was wrong with her, but the main thing they were just trying to calm down was the seizures. So um, they had given us the talk about, you know, we don't want to make any promises, but we have a we have a feeling that, you know, Elle, she's going to have a lot of health complications. Like, when she makes it out of this, like, she's going to have a lot of health complications. So we were kind of thinking, like, well, you know, she's still our child. Like, we're going to have to adjust. So um, day two, they had given her some medicine, and her seizures had started to, you know, decline, which was positive for us because I'm like, okay, she's having less seizures. So, okay, cool. So we're feeling good because we've been in NICU before with our previous daughter, Peyton. Peyton was in NICU for 19 days. Mm-hmm. So once again, we were – we been here before so it's not like we were uh defeated we felt like okay we've been here before and then each day like she's getting better her seizures are reducing so so this that was the second day the third day i think once again during that time her seizures were being lowered so we're thinking that everything was moving in the right direction so i think the last time like when i saw her the last thing i told her was um you know, I love you. You're doing good. Man, when you get out of this, you're going to have one testimony. Like, you're going to have a real strong testimony. So then we left. And then, like, that night, we had ordered Wawa's. We just had a taste for Wawa's. So we had ordered DoorDash. So DoorDash came and dropped the sandwiches off. And then I went downstairs to get it. And when I came back downstairs, from downstairs to get it, I came back upstairs. And then they said... It was like four or five nurses that came to the door, and it was like, you guys have to go now. You guys need to be at Elle's bedside. And one of the nurses, like, picked Joni up out the bed and just put her in a wheelchair. Aww. So they get us down to the NICU. Let me back up. I'm sorry. I'm just piecing everything together. Before we ordered Wawa, Joni had given me some breast milk to take down to NICU. So when I got to NICU and I got inside, I was met by two nurses. Like, they met me as soon as I got there. They was like, we got to make sure uh, Elle's having some complications, but she's fine. Um, We'll just take the breast milk for you, but she just has some complications. She's fine. So I knew, but I didn't tell, you know, I didn't tell my queen because I was like, once again, I don't want to, I don't want to alarm you. Plus, going based off of previous pregnancy information, you, you know, her blood pressure was going up and I, her blood pressure at the time was really good, and I kind of wanted to keep it that way. So um, then that's when we ordered Wawa. So then fast forward, the nurse picks her up, puts her in a chair. So when we walk in, Nick, you, it's, it's seen, it's, it looks like a scene from Grey's Anatomy. It's about 15 doctors around L. The room is dark, um, and they're pushing her in a wheelchair. So... They're telling us what happened. So, like, I'm fairly tall, so I can see. So when I walk in, like, I can literally see them trying to bring her back. Like, I can see them trying to revive her. So they asked me if I wanted to sit down. So I said, no, like, I want to see her. So standing up, I'm looking at her, and I just see her body. I just see, like, doctors just trying to, you know, just trying to revive her. Joni, at this point, I think she has her hands over her ears and her head down, and she's crying, and I'm just sitting there. And they're trying to console both of us. And I'm just sitting there looking. So essentially what they said happened was um, she had, she was doing really good breathing on her own. And she 
had so she was doing so good breathing on her own that they took the breathing tube out because she was doing really good breathing so what wound up happening was she had a really bad seizure in the middle of the night and the seizure was so bad that it closed up her her throat it closed up the throat so they tried to put the breathing tube back in but they couldn't do it because it was like completely closed um and i think it was like 2 19 in the morning she she made that pass so um sorry if it sounds like it's all over the place this is literally no. the first time i've talked about it publicly so no you um, did fine thank you for sharing thank you for your transparency my condolences to you and your wife Joni. i don't know if you're listening but my heart goes out to you as a mother um, I know my husband is in the back. He's probably emotional because even when I was telling him about your story, he <laughs> yeah. said, oh, I'm going to be um, a little bit emotional. So I know on his behalf also, our heart goes out to you. Um, and thank you for trusting me to share it. Mm -hmm. I do want to um, ask you, because you said your wife went into labor at 35 weeks. Right. Um, and we know full-term labor is like 40 to 42 right. weeks. And right. I, right before the show, I told you that I delivered at 35 weeks. Right. What was the reason behind her um, going into labor so early? Um, I think it, it, it boiled down to just the movement of air. Like something wasn't looking right. So there was certain, because I think I want to say Joni started having complications maybe in January with the movement because you know, during pregnancy, there are certain pictures and certain angles you have to get when you go to doctor's appointments. So it was certain uh, angles that they couldn't get, um, certain pictures that they couldn't get of L. So um, around 35 weeks, uh, which seems to be Joni's number because, you know, she delivered Peyton at the same emergency C-section and everything. So it was more so focused on the movement of L. It was certain movements they were looking for that they weren't getting, but they could tell something was going on in her. So it essentially came down to Elle was having seizures inside Joni, but they didn't know, like, when it started, for how long. But that's why when Elle came out, her hands and feet were so tight. Like, they were really tight. Because she was already having a seizure. She was having seizures um, inside of Joni, but no one knew. Like, even when you went to the doctor, you, I guess the type of machines and stuff that they had, like, they were unable to tell that, you know, Elle was having seizures. So when she came out, that's why everything was so tight. Because, you know, someone was like, someone that's having a seizure, like I've seen a couple of people in my life have seizures and their body like stiffens up and tightens. Mm -hmm. So that can kind of explain why she came out. I just want to take a break. Good morning, Celeste from Celestine. Um, David Lomax says um, prayers to you. Um, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Once again, you're listening to Beyond Survivor with Tammy, where we recognize, empower, and support survivors. I am sitting here in studio with my guest, Terrence Doctor, that is sharing information on the loss of his daughter, Elle. We do have a question. What were your thoughts at the time when your wife was crying and you saw um, Elle passing? Like, I just couldn't even imagine what could have been going through your mm. head because I feel like you had to try to be strong for your wife, but you were experiencing loss. Um, Probably the most, the most painful experience ever because I knew that there was nothing that I could do about it. And just coming into that moment, I felt, I felt hopeless. I felt, um, as a father, I felt like an extremely bad father. Mm. I felt, I'm watching 
you know, my daughter, you know, passed right in front of me and there's nothing that I can do in front of it. Like, I, there's nothing that I can do about it. And my wife is crying and, you know, I can't tell her everything's going to be all right because clearly it's not. Like, I'm not going to tell you everything's going to be all right if it's not. Like, right now, like, our daughter's literally right over there. And, um, you know, she, she's literally passing away right in front of us. And I can't do anything to fix it. Because sometimes as men, you know, we get presented a problem. Our goal is to try to fix it. Mm -hmm. All right, here's the solution. Here's, like, I didn't have a solution. I didn't have anything. I'm just as hurt as Joni is. So I've, I was hurt. I felt a lot of different emotions. I was hurt, frustrated, angry, um, definitely, definitely hopeless, hopeless and helpless because I'm just watching them try to revive her and I'm watching her lifeless body just lay there. Once again, my prayers go out to you and we have people in the comments, Dr. V saying my prayers go out to you as Appreciate well. It. And I see even now, like the strength that you're showing uh, right now, you're being really strong. Um, and I was reading, and it was saying that um, a lot of men, like, it says they may grieve by themselves. They may not want to talk about their loss. They may spend more time at work or do things away from home to keep their mind off the loss. Um, you may feel like you're supposed to be strong and tough to protect your family, and you might not know how to sh um, show your feelings. And mm -hmm. you were just saying you felt hopeless. Mm -hmm. How do you feel now? Like, do you feel like you still have to be that strong man, even though you suffered this grief and loss as well? Um, I think it's, it just depends on which day you ask me. Cause it's, it's a lot of regrets when I look back. Um, it's extremely hard for me to sleep at nights because every time I close my eyes, I'm, I'm back in the NICU moment. I'm, I'm back in the dark room. I see the people, I see her. Um, then also, uh, one of the biggest regrets I have is is when the doctors asked me if I wanted to hold her and I say no. And I said no. So I missed that moment to hold her. So you, you know never had the opportunity to hold her at I all? I didn't hold her at all because I wanted that moment to be reserved for, you know, mom. Mm -hmm. um, Did your wife get an opportunity to hold her at no, all? The no. The first time we both held her was minutes after she passed. Mm -hmm. That was the first time we held her. So, like... And at the time, I didn't tell Joni that I had an opportunity to hold her. Um, but I had an opportunity to hold her, like I said, and I and I declined it because I felt like that ultimate honor should be mother first. Um, so the strength-wise is just now it's more so addressing my feelings. So if I'm hurt, I'll say I'm hurting. Whereas before this is I'll cover everything up because as men, like, I was taught, even if you don't have the answers, you need to look like you have it. Be confident. Don't show emotions. I was kind of taught that. But with this grief, it's so different. Like, I've never experienced anything like this before. So it's so different where I I tried to hold it in, but I can't. Like, it's, it's overwhelming. There's too much to it. Like, it's, I've lost friends to, you know, street violence and stuff like that and family members. But when you have to plan your child's funeral and pick out what outfit to wear and pick out the casket and you're watching her pass in front of you, that's a different type of grief. It is. Yeah, so. I'm glad that you acknowledge that as well, that you're able to share your feelings. What kind of support are you and your wife getting right now? Are y'all in kind of support groups? Yeah, support groups. Well, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm in like two of them. I'm in like two support groups. Um, but we're in a support group. One of the sessions just, I think, ended, but it's, it's helpful because sometimes when you're grieving, sometimes you think that you're in it alone. 
And um, when you're in a, our support group, obviously everyone, the outcome is the same, but the process of their child passing away is different. Um, so we're in a safe space where we can be, where we can talk and it's non-judgment. You know, everybody can talk about their feelings because that's the thing about grief. When you're, when you're grieving, like the world, like my world stopped and Joni's world stopped, but the world, the actual world just keeps going. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's just trying to find a safe space to talk about what we need to talk about and not try to sweep it up under the rug. Cause I don't want to have a moment where I just snap because I refuse to address my feelings and I owe it to my family to talk about L and I owe it to my family to talk about my feelings in a healthy way. Cause I know what it's like to grieve and then do it in an unhealthy manner. And it didn't really end up well for me. So I owe it to my family to kind of grieve in a healthy way. So the support group has kind of, you know, assisted us both with just addressing our feelings um, for what they are and admitting that it's okay to not be okay. Um, obviously this year is off. This Like we're experiencing a lot of firsts this year. So this is holiday season is here. So it's the first, you know, Thanksgiving and first Christmas and my birthday passed in October and my oldest son's birthday passed in October and Joni's birthday is in November. So everything that we're doing is a lot of first, you know, seeing the kids go back to school, knowing that we'll never get L ready for school and a lot of things that are like in our mind. So being able to address our feelings, I think, because for the first time in my life, I've, I've, ha I've been in a position where I've had to address, all right, today I'm angry. Today I'm I, hurt. I think that's a message, not just in this situation, for all men. Right. Right? Because like you were saying, you have to be the protector. You felt like you had to protect your right. wife. You have to. So I think that is a message to all men to go ahead and express your feelings. Right. Because, you know, the suicide rate in men are going mm. up. I wanted to ask you also about your children. How did you begin the conversation that mom was coming home, but mm -hmm. mom was coming home without baby L? Well, my oldest, my oldest son stays in Florida. So I FaceTimed him. So I FaceTimed him when she got here. Um, and then I FaceTimed him when, you know, L passed. And um, at the time, I think he was playing his game. You know, 14 years old, they playing the game. Um, and I told him, I said, man, listen, um, I need you to get off the game for a minute. So I said, so where's your mom? So he went, I think, in the living room or something with his mom. And that's when I told both of them, I said, um, you know, L, L passed away. And he was just kind of still, like he didn't move. So he was just stuck. Um, it's just, um, at the time, like he didn't say anything, but you can just kind of tell, like it was just, that wasn't the news he was expecting to hear. You know, you already have one, you know, little sister now, you know, you, you find out that you're having another little sister, but this one doesn't make it. So he was stuck. Uh, my daughter, our daughter Peyton, that one was kind of tough because she's, you know, when we told her, I think she was three because she's four now. She just turned four in June. Um, so it was much harder with her because, you know, she doesn't understand. So when we came home, she was like, you know, mommy, where's the baby? So then we explained to her, well, you know, she's in the sky. She's with Jesus. So then, you know, a week later, she may ask the same question. She constantly talks about her little sister all the time. So when she's drawing papers, like she's doing 
coloring assignments. She'll say, I'm coloring this for my baby sister. Like, she does that a lot. Um, that's tough because watching her play around the house, it feels weird knowing that it's supposed to be a sibling here for you, right? And that's the tough part because, like, I feel like, once again, like, I failed. Like, there was supposed to be somebody here with you, and there's not. That's, you know, your little sister. Because you're four, you're three. You have the energy of a three- and four-year-old. Mommy and daddy, we go to work, we're tired, and, you know, I'm in school and all of this stuff. So we don't have the energy to run around and hula hoop and jump rope and all that good stuff. But your little sister was going to be that, even though she was going to be years younger, is the fact of you guys sitting back watching TV and cartoons together and running and playing around the house. Um, so she's adjusting, but she can kind of tell when we're hurt. Um, I tell her, like, if I have a moment where I'm walking around the house or I'm crying or something, like, I tell her. Like, one time I had a real, one time I had a real, I had a moment. It was on a Friday night. It was raining. And I was just crying. Like, and she came, she came over to me and she wiped my, she wiped my tears. She wiped my tears. And um, she was like, it's okay, daddy, it's okay. And then I went to the front porch, and it was raining, and I was sitting out there, there some more crying. And she was just extremely protective of me in that moment. So when I went to the front porch, like, she was at the door just staring at me. So wherever I went that night, she was, she was right there. And then the following day, she was like, daddy, when you cried, it made me sad. Service, so, you are not gonna make me cry. Man, listen, if I happen to shed <laughs> you, some tears in here, you are not gonna, gonna make me if cry. If I happen today. to cry, you know, it's fine. But she's, we're handling it, you know, just a day at a time. And she's just four, so she's interpreting it the way she knows how to at her age. But she's doing really good, you know. So. Thank you. Thank you again for sharing. Thank you for your transparency. Um, and know that you are also an author and a motivational speaker, and you have an inspirational book. I'm just going to sh share it. I know we don't have a lot of time, but if you want to talk briefly about it. Um, whew, I know it's dead. heavy. I was trying to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So that book, uh, first book, um, Please Give Me a Dollar, that's my first book that I wrote two years ago. It was pretty much a journal of life lessons. It's just everything that I've learned in my life of life experiences, the ups and downs, the highs and the lows, just uh, almost like a book of wisdom. Um, I'm just a firm believer in everything that we go in, everything that we do in life is not mainly just for us, but it's also to inspire someone else. So um, just inspiring people to just, you know, chase after their dreams, no matter what happens in life, to just keep pushing as I am, as my queen is, as my, as my family is, because you know, I feel like, there has to be some type of transparency somewhere to help somebody. You know, um, it's unfortunate that, you know, I'm here talking about, you know, the passing of my daughter. However, the transparency about it, like I want, I want our daughter's name to live. Like I want people to know that she was here. I want people to know how it made me feel as a man. You know, it's okay to admit. Tell us her full name. Elle Amore Doctor. I named her after my grandmother, my grandmother, Eleanor. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't want to give her <laughs> funny story. I did. I wanted to name her after, after my grandmother, but I didn't want to give her the name Eleanor because I was like, I don't know any kids whose names are Eleanor, right? <laughs> so, so what we did was we chopped the name in half. So her first name is L, 
and then Amor is her middle name. But if you say El Amor together, it sounds like you're saying Eleanor. Uh, okay. And Amor means love. Yeah. And, and again, I say I'm not going to cry because my son's last name is Amoroso. Yeah, so see. Love, and he's born at 35 weeks. Mm -hmm. So I'm, you're going to make me cry today, Terrence. Right. I'm going to try. We um, have tissues available. <laughs> I'm going to try not to. How can people reach you? Um, I'm on Facebook, uh, Terrence Doctor, T-E-R-E-N-C-E, Doctor, D-O-C-T-O-R. Um, I'm also on Instagram, uh, Pharaoh underscore doctor. Um, I also have like a motivational speaking page, um, or inspirational page on Facebook is Brother AP, um, as well on Facebook. How can I get your book? Oh, uh, my book is on Amazon. My book is on Amazon. Um, I also have uh, physical copies on me as well. So, uh, once again, if you reach out on Facebook or Instagram and you would like a copy, um, I also have some on hand, but it's also on Amazon as well. And Darren did leave a copy with me, so I'm going to pick a random um, listener on here and share a copy of his um, his book. We have about two minutes left. What? Would you like to say to L? But no, first I want to say, ask you, um, do you ever feel like you're going to get over feeling that you were a failure in that moment? Because you said it a couple of times. You said, I feel like I was, I uh, failed. Like, do you think that would, you would ever get over that part? That's the goal. That is the goal to, to, because grief doesn't really go anywhere, I guess, per se. It's just learning how to grow around it. So I have to figure out how to grow around it. And now I'm not sure. I, I I think that's the goal. The goal is to not feel that way. But it's hard to kind of see it right now. Because I definitely know that it can happen, that I can kind of get out of that space, but I'm not really sure. We are going to leave um, our last question for the after show. Once again, um, you are listening to Beyond Survivor with Tammy. We are recognizing power and support survivors. I want to say very special thank you so much, Terrence, for sharing your testimony, sharing your story. Um, uh, condolences again to you and your wife, to your entire family. Mm -hmm. uh, we're praying with you while you're going through your grief. And thank you for being the strength for her. Mm -hmm. Um, again, you're listening to Beyond Survivor with Tammy, where we recognize, empower, support survivors. Tune in right here every Sunday on Rejoice 101.3 FM, 990 AM. Have a great Thanksgiving. Be thankful for everything that you have um, this week, the people in your, in your lives. Don't forget, tune in every Sunday, and we'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for tuning in to Beyond Surviving with Tammy, where we recognize, support, and empower survivors. If you'd like to be a guest or sponsor on the show, email us at beyondsurvivingtammy at gmail.com. See you next time right here on Rejoice 101.3 FM, 990 AM at 10 AM every Sunday. And remember, your imperfections don't stop your greatness. If anyone asks, you're listening to Rejoice, WREJ, Richmond, 101.3 FM, 990 AM. Hey, travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up